Well, if you had to sum up mental health advocacy and suicide prevention in 2022 in just a few words, Tony, what would they be? Movement and progress. Transformation and and change is, I think, something that I kind of think of, of how do we adapt to this new world that we're living in post-pandemic, where these challenges and struggles still exist. And with that, let me introduce you to the voices you are hearing in our Voices for Suicide Prevention podcast episode here. As we like to say, our conversations are real talk, real honest, real life. Tony Coder is Executive Director of the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, and Molly Matram is OSPF's Chief Operating Officer. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much, Scott. Let me get you both to expand on, on how we started off there, kind of a la rapid fire. Tony, you talked about movement and progress in 2022. Expand on that just a little bit. So I think having 988 um, as a recognized number, um, that, that this is the entry into the crisis care system. Uh, right in, you know, before, getting into the crisis care system meant one of two things, cops or emergency rooms which are not, you know, the greatest places in the world for someone who is experiencing mental health crisis. Uh, Emergency rooms, uh, physicians do amazing work uh, with physical health care. Police officers do amazing work with public safety. However, a mental health crisis is an entirely different thing. It would be like going to uh, Midas uh, for a a bottle of Jack Daniels or something. You know, you you just... it's two different things. Molly, pick up on what you talked about in terms of getting back to really our new normal. I don't even know what that is anymore. Yeah, I mean, does anybody know what their new normal is? Coming off the pandemic, what you saw was, and I think we still see it now, there's stigma, right? The stigma will always exist. Uh, but I think it was, people were a little bit more open to talking about it. Uh, and more voices were speaking up post-pandemic of the ex- challenges that they experienced, the things that they were going through. And so I think, you know, as we're trying to transition to this new normal of um, people are struggling, it's okay to say you're struggling. Um, and Tony mentioning 988, now we have a central place where people can call and they know that number. It's very well recognized. But trying to seize on that opportunity of people are talking about it more. Stigma, we're trying to break down those st- those barriers. And I don't know if that would have happened if it wasn't for this pandemic. So in a sense, this new normal is we're talking about it more. We are open about it more. And you're seeing more voices speak up on on mental health and stigma in general. And that's a good thing. That is a very yeah, good absolutely. thing that, that we are talking about it more because, again, that does break down those stigmas. It does break down those stereotypes. Molly, before and, and Tony, too, before we get into, we're going to talk more about 988. We're going to talk about a lot here. Molly, I do want to come back to, um, well, a little bit about you personally because you are the new COO of OSPF here. You have been a mental health liaison. You most recently worked at the Ohio Department of Insurance. What was it about this opportunity at OSPF that brought you here? Oh, that's such a great question. I so I'm, I was working at the Department of Insurance for the last five years. I kind of fell into doing mental health advocacy in general. It was never something that I was uh, planning for myself, and uh, I really fell in love with uh, the advocacy piece of it and trying to understand mental health and the mental health systems. 
But all along the time while I was at ODI, I was, I was keeping an eye on the amazing work that OSPF has been doing on suicide prevention and really being a leading voice for, for families and individuals across Ohio. And so when um, the opportunity presented itself to come over here and, and do just incredibly important work um, and support people in this state who, who need us, it was a no-brainer. Um, I love working directly with people and advocating for people, and that is really what the root of uh, what brings me happiness. So it was just a no-brainer to get over here and, and be able to do that work. That's great. Let's talk about another opportunity here as we get back into some of our, our topics and issues from not just 2022, but also this year, now that we are into 2023. Governor DeWine recently headlined a healthcare summit, and he talked really passionately about the need for increased behavioral health care and mental health. And the dispatch headline was this, DeWine to prioritize mental health and research in his next budget. Tony, this governor, this administration deserves credit for not just talking about this issue, but actually putting dollars behind it. Absolutely. Uh, Governor DeWine and his administration has been phenomenal. Uh, so many times we hear about politicians, they, they uh, talk about kids, you know, children and kiss babies and all that kind of stuff to get elected. And, you know, those are fine things. But at the end of the day, Governor DeWine, and we don't work for Governor DeWine, Governor DeWine is putting his money where his mouth is. So he really wants to change the system, as he put it in his last state of the state, that he wants to build a system that has never been built from 1963. Molly, follow up on that with with your experience and and you know in and around state government, and also we we know that Ohio has has real deficiencies, especially when we look at the resources that say are available in in metro and large suburban counties versus say a lack of services in those smaller rural and Appalachian regions of our state. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my time in state government, I was really focused on trying to evaluate what barriers and gaps exist for people um, trying to seek care and and services and treatment that they would need. Uh, The unique position of what uh, this governor has done is uh, really put mental health at the forefront of every single state agency. I mean, I was partnering with the Department of Agriculture, Commerce, um, Aging, and, and then you add in the Department of Insurance. And so, you know, this is not an easy to- topic to talk about. And the governor has, he could he could just ignore it altogether, but he's really made an effort to make sure that in every level of state government, uh, that this is whether they touch insurance or it's touching the aging community, public safety, that they are talking about mental health. And so that was a unique position that I got to, or a unique experience that I got to to have is working with all these different agencies um, because the governor has this vision of mental health touches everybody. We may have a, a, you know some listeners going, wait a minute, mental health and the Department of Agriculture? <laughs> and, then, and then I think, well, wait a minute, you know, think about the stressors that Ohio farmers are mm-hmm. under every single day. My goodness. I mean, front line right there, right? Absolutely. Farmers, you look at farmers and then you look at the Department of Public Safety, you have law enforcement. Yes. Uh, you yes. look at aging, you have the aging population and the stressors and the risk factors that they may have. Um, I say this to Tony all the time. Uh, mental health and, and uh, really touches everybody. It is... Uh, whether it's personal or a family member, it doesn't matter what your background is. Um, mental health touches everybody in some way. You both talked about 988 when we began our conversation here. I want to come back to that because that is really, really important. Tony, what what were and are the continuing lessons 
that have been learned from that launch, not just here in Ohio, but nationally? The lesson that we learned was that there does need to be a central location for folks to go. That there was not this, uh, you know, we used to have a 10-digit phone number that I would struggle, I'm in this every day, and I would struggle to try to remember, much less having a mental health crisis and trying to remember that number. There's just no way. So 988 gives us that opportunity to be in that, uh, to, 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 to be like 911, where, boom, you just know where to call. And, um, and it also gives us an opportunity to discuss the crisis care system as a whole, that this is just the first step in our marathon. Literally, we just crossed the starting line. We need to, to create opportunities for uh, crisis stabilization units, uh, mobile crisis, housing for individuals, um, you know, better hospital, uh, you know, mental health facility care um, for individuals. There are more opportunities. I shouldn't say better. They do great things um, in, uh, in, in mental health facilities. Um, but, but really, uh, it brings up an entire conversation about the need for a system built around mental health. 988, from my perspective, I was still with state government at the time. And uh, it was so much easier to be able to add 988 to our resources rather than adding a longer number or directing somebody to a central location versus uh, different multiple different resources. So I think Tony was spot on there of creating that continuum of care. Tony, let me come back to you about uh, several initiatives and really campaigns under your uh, what is your burgeoning umbrella here, areas of responsibility for OSPF uh, in this new year? One of them is going to be more outreach to communities of color. As a matter of fact, you are already planning uh, a summit in early June, and it's going to be suicide prevention in the black community. Tell us about this. We know that um, African-Americans you know, are, are an underserved community for health um, in the first place. It's even worse for mental health. Uh, for an Af- you know for anyone in the African American community, so um, as we started looking at this, because we knew that there was about a hundred seventy six percent increase in the number of suicides uh, of African Americans since nineteen ninety nine, um, so as we started looking at this, uh, I just wanted to take a a project or a campaign and basically Ohioize it, but I couldn't find anything, so we had to create our own, uh, which is really really sad in 2020 that we didn't have a black suicide prevention campaign. Um, and, you know, we're doing some African-American conversations, some, some suicide prevention conversations with African-American leaders around the state. And there's a slide that our facilitator uh, has right at the very beginning that says we are in a crisis. We're in a crisis with um, black suicide in, in, our, in, uh, in the country. And he asks, the per- he asks everyone, so when do you think this was done? And everybody says 2020, 2021, 2015, 1978. We have wow. completely uh, just either not paid attention or just wow. ignored um, that this issue has been going on for a long time. So we need to um, look at this and uh, work with um, leaders in the African-American community and make sure that we get access to care for everybody and not just uh, folks in the suburb uh, or even in the large cities. Is this going to, you know, be a, a little bit of a similar play to what you did with your veterans conference last summer? Because, boy, you you basically, you, when I say you, I'm talking about OSPF, of course, basically sold out the Hilton at, at Easton with, with the, I mean, there were just hundreds and hundreds of people there for that conference. 
Absolutely. Um, we want to make sure that we have leaders there to not only learn, but to also network and create solutions together. The only way we can defeat suicide, whether you're in the, uh, in the Caucasian community, the African-American community, the Latino community, is to work together uh, to, to defeat this problem. We can't have little things over here, little things over here. So let's get everybody in a room together, really come up with some strategies to help um, communities uh, especially communities of colors, uh, communities of color work uh, to prevent suicide. One other campaign I do want to touch on um, because it's another one that's growing, and that is LifeSide Ohio. LifeSide Ohio, um, a campaign like that has never been done before, and and it is really taking off as well. It is it is dedicated outreach to the firearms community, but it's also taking the politics out of the guns issue, out of the firearms issue. It is focusing solely on bringing people together for suicide prevention. And and LifeSide is proving that this can be done. Right, Tony? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know uh, Molly works closely with, uh, with Austin, who manages that here. But that's what we wanted to do was... You know, there, there's so much political divide or, um, among, you know, uh, just the issue of guns. And we wanted to take all of that out. I don't care whether you're on the gun control side or you're under the um, gun rights side. We want to take all of that out. We all have one thing in common, and that's we don't want our loved ones, our neighbors, our family members, our friends to die by suicide. So how do we work together to do that? And it's been really, really successful. You know, I've been working with Austin and a couple other folks on our staff around how do we how do we take this campaign and reach even more people? Obviously, you kind of look at that low-hanging fruit of working with gun shop owners and firearm owners and law enforcement. Uh, but I think if you look at Ohio, I mean, there's many gun owners across the state. And uh, so it's how do we reach those folks with this message of if you have a gun, firearm, that's great. We want you to do some safe storage, make sure it's in a safe space uh, so that it is uh, locked away. So I think um, we're working on some ideas of connecting with law enforcement across the state, possibly doing, uh, trying to partner on the national night outs that are typically happen around September, August, September, uh, where uh, law enforcement goes out into the community and talks about community issues. And I think this is an issue that many people can get behind and we're seeing that happen. So to Tony's point is taking the politics out of it and just talking about safety. Question for both of you. We see stigmas and, and stereotypes being broken every day about mental health. Obviously, though, still more to be done. What do you think is working to encourage more and more people to talk openly, honestly, and let's call it forcefully about these topics? So I think when you, like, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about uh, more voices are stepping up around mental health and it's easy to point to celebrities or uh, elected officials or just in general, I think there's a level of, of comfort that we've seen over the last couple of years of being open and willing to say, I'm struggling, it's okay to not be okay. Uh, and then you have these new resources with 988. And uh, I think that's really helping break the, st the stigma because if I see somebody who I may look up to who I didn't know they were struggling behind the scenes, I thought their life was perfect and everything was going well. And they're to say, hey, I'm not okay. I'm struggling. I'm getting help. And if I were to see that, I can relate to that. And to have you humanize this issue of mental health, that it's impacting everybody, even despite what you're seeing on social media, despite what you see this person putting out into, you know, 
to, to the public, to their family and friends. Um, behind that, there's somebody that are, is really struggling. And, and I think there's this level of relatedness that's happening where people feel comfortable saying, okay, it's, it's not just me. There are other people that are struggling and I'm going to lean in and up into those communities. I'm going to lean into those resources. And I don't think that that, um, I don't think we've seen anything like that in the last, uh, pr- prior to these last couple of years. Um, so I, I really applaud people who come up and, and speak out on, on the challenges that they may be dealing with, uh, because it really paves the way for others to feel comfortable to speak up or even not speak up, but just seek help when they need it. Well, and I think if there's any silver lining to the pandemic, it is that more people are discussing mental health. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I'll, I'll be the first to say, I think this pandemic has stunk with a capital S, <laughs> but at the same time, it has brought people to say, you know what, it's I'm I'm not okay right now, mm-hmm. and for others to say, you know what, I'm I'm struggling too, and for all of us to be uh, talking about this issue, um, again, if there's any silver lining, it's that we're openly talking uh, more about this, not only from a friend to friend, but uh, you know, as you mentioned, the governor, um, all the way up to Congress, and uh, you know, even the World Health Organization. You know which organizations I watch in in this whole specter? I watch the U.S. military. I mean, if you think about the 180 that the military has done over the last really several decades, I mean, now you have men and women with, you know, one, two, three, and four stars on their shoulders talking from the Pentagon about mental health. This wasn't happening that long ago. You have men and women at the highest levels of law enforcement, you know, in uniform every single day. The toughest of the tough, right? And they're talking about challenges and struggles that their that their respective departments are having in this space. I think those are game changers. Well, and even you're talking about the young man um, who who had a heart attack on the field yeah. uh, recently. Yeah. They didn't stop that game because of an injury. They stopped it because of trauma. They stopped that because the mental health of players, you know, could be jeopardized. They couldn't carry on. And those, those people are warriors. I mean, what they yes. put their bodies through yes. every yeah. Sunday is just amazing. And, you know, they saw such a traumatic event of one of their teammates, one of their own, that they had to stop that. Um, and, and I think that really points to this does not, you know, this is not something that impacts homeless people only or right. children or anything. This impacts everybody, even the strongest of the strong. And to that very point, who was it that stopped it? It wasn't the NFL. It was players mm-hmm. and coaches for the Bengals and the Bills who said, nope, we're not doing this. Absolutely. We are not doing this. And it was the right thing to do. I recently had a baby. And I think there's, uh, you always hear about postpartum depression. And that's just not something that's ever talked about. Uh, you kind of, they call it the fourth trimester where moms are going through a whole lot and there's the anxiety, the depression, the rage. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, I've, I've always been an advocate for mental health. I always talk about it, uh, but I'm really struggling right now. And uh, I don't know what compelled me. I'm like, I'm going to put it on social media. I'm going to put it on my Instagram that I am dealing, like I went through, I had a very difficult birth. I had a difficult pregnancy. And I was like, well, I shared all of that throughout that journey, but why Why am I stopping now when I'm struggling? I put it out there and you know, just posted something. And I was astounded at the amount of moms and dads who reached out and said, I went through the same thing. 
and nobody's ever really talked about this. I've, I've, I've never seen somebody post about it. I thought it was just me. I thought I was going crazy. And it just kind of reminds you that, I mean, and I'm talking my friends who I have, I would never guess. I would never guess that they were going through something and struggling. And it took one post, uh, to, to say, Hey, uh, me too. I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of a, a turning point for me in realizing that just the stigma that breaking down these barriers around stigma is as simple as saying and posting something or saying something to your friend in private. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. Things are hard right now. Yeah. yeah, And I think those kind of conversations and that kind of uh, message that we put out there really can make a difference in one per- even just one person's life. Uh, so I was just, uh, I guess, whatever compelled me to share something, I had 20 different conversations with friends who I don't think they would have been able to share that if maybe I didn't say something. And so I'm so thankful to see that um, takes one message, one post, one conversation to break down some of those barriers around stigma. You, you helped somebody though. You did yeah. really. Yeah, I did. And, and I, I don't want to take credit for it, but I also think that if it wasn't me, what if nobody said anything mm-hmm. and my friend was really struggling and I didn't know it. So I think that's what I would, I would compel people. If you're, if you're willing and you are struggling, talk to your friend, um, share with them if you know, you need help or, um, if you see somebody post something, reach out to them and say, Hey, do you need anything? Can I help you with anything? I think there's a, there's that level of connectedness and working with each other and being supportive of each other helps break down that, that level of stigma from a community level, from a personal and human, uh, human level of, uh, at the end of the day, we are just human beings and we do the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And it just takes that one conversation or that one person, uh, to kind of break down those barriers find that help just yeah. find whatever you whatever you need and there, there's just there's just too much there's just too much stigma around it there just is and people st- still to this day will talk about it oh you know in hushed tones why are we talking about it in hushed tones why aren't we getting squawky about this mm-hmm. you know get loud yeah. absolutely yeah well that's what you know the younger generation says therapy is cool i say younger because <laughs> they're younger than me and I'm not in that generation. <laughs> she says that, Tony, because she we're probably old enough she, to be uh, Molly's father here. Uh, but you, was, both you and me. Yeah, she was looking at me. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let's wrap up our conversation this way, um, kind of in a broad sense. What other initiatives out there, maybe even initiatives in other states, have each of you been looking at and thinking to yourself, you know what, that's effective. They're doing it right. Uh, Molly and I just traveled out to uh, Arizona, and we got to see uh, their crisis system um, in, in in play, and it was really, really amazing. Um, and I'm going to get this. I'm going to simplify this probably too much, but basically, they had crisis stabilization units, and, and they're someplace where a person can go, de-escalate their mental health crisis, get some help that they need to talk to somebody, maybe put them on some medications. If needed, then they go to you know a mental health facility or wherever. And what they found was um, it saved um, the state of Arizona $280 million in Medicaid costs. It also saved the equivalent of 37 police officers, the hours needed. I mean, it was, it was yeah. really amazing. And it kind of makes you embarrassed 
that we have treated folks with mental illness so poorly. Mm-hmm. I think the most shocking but amazing thing at the same time was these crisis systems were so embedded into the communities that uh, it was almost as if you were going to like a regular hospital. The community knew about it. Law enforcement works really well with them. The state uh, works really well in making sure that these crisis centers are, are running efficiently in the way that they need to be. They're funded. And it, so it just felt like these crisis stabilization units were a part of what Arizona is. And if you're struggling, people would know where to go. Tony, Molly, thank you for being part of this episode. This has been another good one to our listeners. Thank you as well, because when you're listening to episodes like this, you too are breaking stigmas, you're breaking barriers, you care about mental health, and you care about saving lives. This is Voices for Suicide Prevention, brought to you by the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation.